Hey everybody, welcome to another great episode of The Growth Engineers. I'm Atiba, he is Dean, and today we're going to be talking about what happens when your sales are falling flat and are you using the wrong approach to selling? We are The Growth Engineers, and if you are a business owner and you're looking to grow your business and Things are not working the way you want. Guess what? You're in the right place because here, the only thing we talk about is principles. We're not going to give you a lot of fancy tactics, just hardcore proven principles to help you engineer growth in your business. Dean, my friend. So growth is, well, sales are falling flat and you've been using this thing called consultative selling. And let's start here. Most people don't even know that they're using consultative. Con, ugh, can't even say it. Most people don't even know it. <laughs> consultative selling, much less for the thing that we will be talking about today, right. which is collaborative selling. Yes. Right. But let's start there. What is consultative selling? Well, consultative selling, the term has been around since the 1970s. So it's an approach that's been around for 50 plus years. And of course, that approach has evolved over time. But at the core, what it really means is us as sellers, as business owners, as experts, we are guiding our prospect, mm -hmm. right, directing them to buy a particular type of solution to solve their problem, right? We're the expert. We're going to consult. We're going to provide wisdom throughout the selling process and help them make a decision. So in principle, at the basic like level, makes sense, right? We're the expert. They need to buy some stuff. We'll help them buy some stuff. Yeah. But here's the thing. The way buyers buy has changed in the last 50 years. It's changed in the last five years. So modern buyers expect something different in this relationship between buyer and seller. And that's where consultative selling can feel more manipulative now. Mm. So it's changed. Okay. So you're saying if those sales tactics that were trying to set someone up and even, I'm going to use the term, trial close them. <laughs> Okay, right. and get them to that place of that big crescendo close where you're doing the big spiel and they've got to say yes. The last person to talk wins. Right. First person to talk loses. Jesus. Right. Right. You're saying that may not work in 2023? <laughs> well, does that even sound fun to be on the receiving end of that? I tell you, man, I don't want to be on the receiving end of that. And we both sell for a living, right? That's what we right. do. So, no, it clearly doesn't work. And here's one of the things that we need to understand. And I mentioned the term modern buyer. It's a term I use a lot to help people frame up how we think about the people that we talk to, right? We know that access to the internet, access to your – doing this, right, having a podcast, sharing our stuff, mm -hmm. if someone that's interested in buying from us – hops on and watches a couple of episodes of our podcast, they'll know about us. They'll know about our approaches, our philosophies, what we do, how we do it. And so they're educated. Mm. Right? They're self-educated. Now, 
So if we wind back a little bit, we go back a decade or more or two, and those buyers didn't have the same easy access to information about us and our services and our products, they needed a consultative seller to come in and help educate them. But now they are far much further down their buying process, the education process, before they even want to talk to somebody they think is a salesperson. Yeah. So that oh. consulting, that pushing, that guiding feels false. It's out of alignment with where the buyer is at. Yeah, absolutely. But let me ask something here because, you know, there may be a reaction that some people are having to what you just said, because I had the reaction a little bit. Okay. And I completely agree with you, <laughs> right? And here's the reaction. Hold on. I did 12 years of school between elementary and high school. Then I went to college. Then maybe you went to grad school or business school, and then maybe even went on beyond that. And for most of us, we ran away from school and education as fast as we could. But you're now saying that people want to be educated? They're like lining up to get educated? <laughs> maybe that sounds like, you know, it doesn't make sense. It may feel like that's the opposite. But the truth is, why do we put content out there? Why do we put content out there? Primarily to educate. Now that makes us, hopefully puts us in a position of a thought leadership and top of mind and all of those things. But the goal is to educate, to get them thinking differently, to expose them to new ideas. So when we're on the consuming side of information, right? Mm -hmm. We're scrolling, we're clicking, we're educating. We may not even think of it that way, but we are. We've been, we're self-educating. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately or fortunately, our society now is kind of in this or like self-help junkie mode, right? We consume information. We don't do a good job using the information, but we consume it. So from a bias perspective, they are educating themselves. And I'll add one more twist to this. Generationally, buyers are different. Oh. And so that's a component of us and we'll get into what collaborative is versus consultative here in a minute. But generationally, so if we think about the four primary generations in the workforce, right? Baby boomers, and they are now retiring, selling businesses and moving on. But they are still in the workforce. Then there's Gen Xers like myself that are kind of between us, right? Yeah, we're between the millennials and the boomers. And we have a very different way about going about business and how we think. Millennials, massive generation. There's a couple of different segments of millennials and then you've got z and then alpha that are kind of coming through the ranks so generationally we were all brought up differently with technology we were all brought up in different business environments different social environments and so it changes that way we think about this sort of interaction with a seller traditionally mm. a boomer wants to be served they want to be taken care of they want it now and so consultative selling worked well selling to boomers. Didn't work as well with Gen Xs, and it really irritates millennials because they are the digital generation, right? Absolutely. So a lot of factors involved in this whole thought, kind of like back and forth. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so I want to continue unpacking that a little bit with you here as we transition the conversation into collaborative. But there were really two thoughts that you left me with there, if you will, okay? So that first one was that they want to be educated, but they don't know, or they don't always use that education, 
well, right? And I can hear people say, that's why I'm a consultative seller. That's why I have to give you consultation because you think you know something, but you don't know anything. And so <laughs> you need to come to me for me to tell you what is the truth, right? So that's one side. But then there's that other side of the generational piece. And is there a reality of how, you know, the different generations consume information and then are able to use that information? Yeah. Two really, really important points. So one thing I will say is I didn't say don't be an expert and don't be consultative. Right. I shouldn't even have to say it, but I'm going to. You still need to do that. You still need to be an expert. You still need to guide your prospect. Mm -hmm. Right. But what happens is you make the shift, the intentional shift from driving towards a transaction which is really what consultative selling is about. Dig enough to find a problem, share your wisdom to show how you can solve the problem, right? The shift from that to creating a long-term relationship with your prospect, which sometimes means you don't get the deal today. Right. That's the difference, right? We're not driving to a transaction, right? Getting that close, get them to say yes. Now, do we wanna win a deal? Of course. But what's more important in a collaborative selling process is to establish that relationship, that trust over the long term. And ultimately, it increases your lifetime value that you receive from the client and that you give to the client. So, okay, you just brought in two more really big terms. Okay. Relationship, trust. Right? Two really big terms. And almost two cliche terms that are used a ton, right? So I want to dive in here because, you know, there is a school of thought that will say, but if I get them to a transaction and they give me some money and then I go do my thing and my thing is so great, then that's going to build trust and relationship. What better trust and relationship is there than I got them a win, Yeah. How does that fit in with collaborative selling and versus consultative? Well, if you haven't done the work up front, you won't get the chance to do the work with them. You won't get the chance to help them get the win, right? So absolutely, if you're an expert in your field and you can deliver, that should come through in all the conversations that you have. But let me take it one step further with this concept of collaborative. Mm-hmm. Consultative selling typically means that we're going to do some needs analysis. We're going to dig in. We're going to ask thoughtful questions, and thoughtful questions help establish us as experts, right? We get them thinking about their problem differently. That still applies. But ultimately, what I'm going to say, Atiba, here's what I think you need. Here's my solution. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the impact it's going to have, how long it's going to take, and how much it's going to cost. You want to buy my stuff, right? I'm going to give you what I think is the recommendation to solve the problem. So you have to then take that and process it. That's how consultative selling typically goes, right? We kind of come up with a scope and all those things. The difference is, I'm going to throw another term at you here, with collaborative selling, you co-create the solution. Ooh. Okay. Co-create the solution. So okay. Co-creation. Yeah. So that means that the buyer, the prospect, is part of defining the solution they're actually in as much the driver's seat 
as you are. That's where some of this collaboration comes in is you're still guiding, you're still the expert, but they have to, sometimes coming from their mouth, it becomes truth. Coming from your mouth, they don't necessarily, they're like, ah, I don't know, you're trying to sell me something. It's a co-collaboration of a solution is so powerful. Now, under the surface, under the yeah. curtain, if you will, are you guiding the conversation? 100%. Are you moving them in a particular direction where you think you can have the biggest impact? 100%. But it's a different communication style, right? It's a different right. relationship, if that makes sense. No, absolutely it is. Because, you know, in one example, you're sitting in the palace where everything is wonderful and your prospect is out there somewhere and you're saying, hey, in order to get to me, here are the directions. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to watch you do it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you come, right? That's usually the consultative way. I consulted with you on how to get to where this great place yep. versus the collaborative way, co-creation. Okay. I'm going to leave the palace. I'm going to come down here and I want to come on the road and meet you. And let's lock arms and let's walk together. You got it. I'll give you a real live example of a client that we're working with now. They came to us, you know, people like to self-diagnose, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. they said, we need a marketing strategy, specifically something really focused on social media. Well, okay, that seems pretty specific. What's going on? And so we dug in and I could quickly see that was not what they needed. So if I would have said, no, you don't need that. You need this, buy this from me. What would have happened? They would have gone to somebody else that said, okay, I'll sell you a marketing strategy. Right. So we didn't do that. We collaborated. We literally walked around and sat on the same side of the desk per your like analogy. And we talked mm -hmm. it through. We got them talking about why and the how and the impacts and what else is going on in the business. So what I always want to do is I want to zoom out from the mm -hmm. stated problem and get a bigger view of the organization, bigger view of the company, bigger view of where they're going, the current state, future state, all of those good things. Because then they're sharing. They're collaborating with us. They're coming along on the journey with us. And so as we went through this process, we quickly realized that I probably diagnosed it way quicker than they did, but that's okay. They realized that this strategy wasn't the problem. They actually have some capacity issues in their organization wow they actually have some vision issues in their wow. organization and so as they started talking about that we just moved the conversation in that lane and we started talking about what the solution might look like what is the fix and together we talked about this process and that ultimately is what we ended up helping them with is a different kind of solution yeah. And so, Dean, let me encapsulate that and say it in slightly different words. Sure. If I could, right? So in this process of being collaborative, one of the big things that we're doing is we're helping them uncover the root, not the fruit of their issue, right? And so often people come to us and they've got fruit issues. They got fruits, fruits, fruits. Like, oh, help me with this fruit, fruit, fruit. But that's not the root that you solve. Now, for me, one of the big misnomers that I've seen people have when they get into collaborative is they get to this place where they start to say, well, if I help you uncover that root issue, that means I also have to solve that root issue. And that's not always the case because that root issue may not be in your wheelhouse. 
And someone is going to appreciate you helping them see the route that will help you be more effective for them after they've solved that. And this is where partnership now comes in, right? If you know someone else that you can partner with who does fix that root issue so that you can then turn around and do your thing, if you will, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's the partnership and you bring that in. And now we're building relationship and trust. Man, you nailed it. So what did we say at the beginning? The goal of collaborative selling is different to the goal of consultative selling. Consultative selling is to drive to a solution. Collaborative selling is to build a long-term relationship. And sometimes that means we don't get the deal. And that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. That's actually good because oftentimes that introduction has better benefit to the client. And a huge benefit to the person you're introducing in. And you know things come back around. They just do. They do. They do. So that's exactly it. You nailed it, Atiba. That is the goal here. And I'm okay with spending more time and more effort to get to a we're not a fit because that's how I want to do business. That's how I want to be known in the marketplace. And so when somebody comes back to me down the road, they know I'm going to do the right thing by them first. Yes. Absolutely. And that is so key because, you know, if we're chasing the dollar today, listen, if they're not a fit, they're not going to be a fit. And sure, you may have gotten $5 out of them, but man, was it a headache, right? Versus recognizing that up front and being able to say that and say, hey, you know, this isn't right right now. And that's okay. Yeah. Oh, but I need the money today, Atiba. Oh, D, we need the money, man. I got bills to pay, man. Yeah. But by taking on that work, that's not a right fit, you're completely screwing your capacity to take on the next job that is the right fit that would probably pay you 10 times as much. Absolutely. 100%. We can get down the whole mindset rabbit hole here, right? Is it an abundance mindset or is it a fear and lack mindset? And just that alone, we could do a whole episode of mindset just around this particular topic because when we come from a fear and a lack and a, I need this to pay the bills, I get it. We all have bills to pay, but very rarely does that pay off. It may pay, but it doesn't pay off. Pay off. Yes. Right. One bad deal, one bad project, one bad client will ruin your reputation. Not just ruin your reputation, Dean, and I'm not going to call his name. He's a friend of mine and- We were just talking about this yesterday and he was in this situation and that bad client ended him with a heart attack. Wow. Now, by God's grace, he's still here with us, but that's worse, (laughs) you know, than your reputation. And those are the things that are at stake when you take on that client and you don't take that time to figure out we're not a good fit. And you're not going to see that right now because right now it's going to pay. It's going to pay my bills this month. Yep. But is it going to give me a heart attack next month? Yep. I'll give you one more real quick example. I was functioning as the fractional CMO for a SaaS company a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And we got to the point in the engagement where we needed to do some market research. Mm-hmm. And I can do market research. My team can do market research. But we weren't the best fit for what they needed. So I have a great trusted advisor, partner of mine. His firm does amazing work. So we brought them in. So it was probably 20 grand's worth of work that we could have just taken. The client would have said, great, do it. 
And we took a step back and like, you know, we're not the best fit, but this firm is. They came in, they did amazing work, which I knew they would do. The client benefited more and we benefited because we had the information because we were running their marketing and it was a win-win. And I was happy with that. We were good. We moved on. We did our thing. Now, a year later, that market research firm referred us in to another large strategic account that we closed. See? And I didn't refer him in because I was expecting a referral down the road. I was referring him to do the right thing by the client. The right thing. It it always pays off. It just does. It just does. And ultimately, that research work would have sucked our team's bandwidth down and been a distraction. And that's not where we bring the most value. Yeah, absolutely. So, Dean, I got to ask you, as we get ready, you know, as we always do, how can someone learn more about this? Because if they're hearing this for the first time and they realize, man, I've been doing consultative selling this whole time and I need to get more collaborative. I hear what you guys are saying. I hear how things are changing. How can we help them? learn more where can they go well certainly i'm happy to chat right i mean reach out to me on linkedin's the easiest way to find me we'll talk about what's going on in your business another way to uncover some of this to see if your selling approach is part of what's restricting your revenue growth i've got a free scorecard a free quiz online if you go to revenue roadblockscom it takes about three minutes to take the quiz one of the four pillars of growth is sales And the quiz will help you understand, is sales one of your restrictors? And if it is, it may be your sales approach. So go to revenueroadblocksquiz.com, say hi on LinkedIn, and yeah, we'll get you some answers. Awesome. Hey, everybody. We are the Growth Engineers. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.